What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. A bit of a somber note today, and I'm just going to start by saying, what the hell, Denver Nuggets? Um, I mean, apparently this series is uh, first to 124 points wins. Um, and, and especially if you're the Jazz, if you get to that, that's just the golden number, and uh, you win. Apparently that's it. That's that's the jackpot, and that's oh, the thing to do. I thought I thought the goal was to get the least amount of points. Well, if that was the case, in upside down land, the Denver Nuggets are doing flawless right now. They're up two one in that upside down world, but in the real world, they're they're down two one, and uh, it feels like three zero to be honest with you. And one could argue possibly they should be down three zero. But, I mean, wow. Uh, if you're a Nuggets fan, today is painful, just as uh, Wednesday was painful. Um, you know, before we got on the podcast today, Brandon, <laughs> or tonight, I should say, as we're recording this, uh, Brandon admitted, you know what, I've, I've watched maybe five minutes of the last two games, and if you know what, there's Nuggets fans out there that are listening to this, and that's your scenario too, you know what, I don't blame you. However, me, on the other hand, I love pain. I love torture. Um, <laughs> I love being just hurt and stabbed in the heart uh, and being drawn in and, and loving someone for them to only just dash away my hopes and dreams and, and everything I give to them. Uh, and that is the Denver Nuggets. Um, where do we start here? I mean, they lose tonight 124 to 87, uh, and you thought 124 to 105 was bad on Wednesday. No, the, the Nuggets said, hold my beer. We're going to score a combined 55 points in the last half of the game uh, to close things out. I mean, uh, you know, in in Wednesday's game, you you got a good game, and I say good game, but it wasn't enough. You got a good game from Nicola with 28 and 11 rebounds, uh, six assists. That's a good game. Uh, you got 28 from Michael Porter and six rebounds. But this is why I was hesitant on Tuesday's podcast to crown Jamal Murray because what does he do after he follows up that 36 point performance? He comes back Wednesday and gives you 14 points, four assists, three rebounds, and uh, goes six for 13. You know what numbers those are? That's Chris Middleton and Paul George numbers. That's what those are. That's what those numbers are. I like how you added Paul George. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to be real today. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> and that's what Jamal is. And you know what? I thought we, we might be getting over this hump with Jamal, but we're not. And that's that's just the fact of the matter. Well, and, Real quick, though, I think I, I'm going to defend Jamal here for a second because credit Utah for adjusting. Um, and they're, you know, I think after this series is done, which is, it'll probably be done here on uh, on Tuesday, um, there's going to be serious talk about um, a lack of adjustments by Coach Malone. And at this point, he's on the hot seat. And I love Malone. Are you, do you mean I'm, defensively? I'm, well, so or, on both ends, mean? because here's the thing. Defensively, the they've tried look, everything. Trust me, well, I've watched the last two. They have tried everything. Uh, well, last let's game. Look at, let's look at, well, I'm not talking about defensively. So okay. let's look at what Utah has done. Because what Denver has done, obviously, one hasn't worked. And it seems like they haven't. Look, Denver's not trying. So let's look at what Utah is at least trying to do. So game one happens, right? You get torched by Jamal. Um, so in game two... Right off the bat, what do they do do with Jamal? They on pick and rolls, they meet up on him high, and they blitz him. And so they did exactly what Denver did last year to Dame. The only difference is Jamal isn't as good at seeing that happening and making a play before that. And two, they don't have anyone that is stepping up to at least help Jamal out offensively. And you 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 said the numbers from from Nicola and MPJ. I'm not talking about those two. I'm talking about Paul Millsap, I'm talking about Tory Craig, I'm talking about Monte Morris, PJ Dozier, um Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee. I'm talking about the other guys. Those guys are the guys that need to step up. Especially in game 2. The game 3, the, this game no one played well. It's just whatever. I this game I don't really want to talk about. It's game two because game two you were in the game for at least half of it and a little bit more. But and, and you had they blitzed the hell out of Jamal and they made the ball they got the ball out of his hands. So MPJ and Jokic did what they were supposed to do. They didn't go off. They didn't do anything crazy, which unfortunately they would have needed that in order for them to win that game. 
They didn't have anyone else. No one else is stepping up. No one else is willing to just play half decent. Jeremy Grant's the closest, but guess what? We're back to the Jeremy Grant who doesn't like to rebound again. So no one is, no one is doing anything. And by the way, Paul Millsap, by the way, needs to retire. He's done. He's toast. Um, honestly, he shouldn't be getting a single minute. Bull Bull should be at least at least Bull Bull, looking at the stats, I didn't watch, but at least he looked like he tried because he was a third leading scorer. So at this point, Millsap shouldn't be playing at all. Um, Jeremy Grant should be starting, uh, whether that's at the three or the four. If they get Gary back, then they should be starting. They should be getting going with Jamal, Gary, Craig, Grant, and Jokic. Bring MPJ off the bench. Bring Bol Bol off the bench. Morris, uh, Dozier, um, Plumley, whoever else. But Paul Millsap should not get a single another, another second of play time because he's been. He's just been pathetic. He's weak. He's soft. He's old. He's broken down. He's done. He needs to retire. Um, and the Nuggets just need to force it at this point. He's toast. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I so can't argue with you on that. <laughs> that's the problem is they did a good job. Utah did a good job of adjusting with Jamal and forcing Jokic to have to do what Jamal did to them in game one and a rookie to do what Jamal did in game one. The only guy that can really do what Jamal did in game one is Jamal because MPJ is a rookie and Jokic is just not going to do it. So that's the problem is there's, if those two guys aren't going to do it, the rest of the team needs to step up and help Jamal. And the other part of it is Malone needs to do a better job of helping Jamal. How about this? Let's start Morris and let's put Jamal at the two. Get Jamal off ball more. Let's get him running around screens, getting Jamal more opportunities to score instead of letting him bring up the ball, get a screen, get blitz, and get the ball out of his hands. And now you're forcing Jokic to make a play, which obviously we're back to just Jokic not caring. And MPJ's, again, he's a rookie. What do you really expect from him? So no one else is stepping up to help, including Malone. And it's just, it's honestly just a pathetic effort from everyone. Well, no, I'll give Michael Malone credit there because he did say today after today's loss um, that it's not just about, you know, his stars not stepping up. It's about everybody. Everybody's performance in this series to this point has been awful. He hasn't coached I'm done well. Hearing this, I'm done hearing this over and over again with no, Malone. Though. No, I, I get it. But I mean, it's the same crap least, every, every game. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's true. Well, then um, maybe there needs to be a different voice. Maybe, and I think that's something we can touch on, but you touched on a, on a lot of things, and I, and I kind of want to either level with you there or, or disagree. Uh, first with Jamal. Um, you know what? I just think at this point we just need to reevaluate our expectations for Jamal. And I had a Twitter argument after this game with a, a casual fan, um, which what, from his tweets was what it seemed to be, um, a casual fan or, or someone who kind of jumped on when things got hot and then placed unrealistic expectations on the team. And now that they're losing, now it's, oh, they suck, even though they're a third seed in the West and you know almost won 50 games and are, are arguably the youngest team in the NBA and are in their second go-around in the playoffs. But but they suck. Whatever. That I, I guess that's if that suck, I mean, wow, that's ex, those expectations are impossible to ever beat. Um, but I, I digress. With Jamal... I think it's a situation to where, you know what, and I I fell into this trap. You know, I get so enamored with his potential because we see it. But, you know, this is just, this is Jamal. And, you know what, I think his ceiling is an all-star. I don't think he's ever going to be able to be a top 15 player. I don't think he has that consistency. Can he score? Yes. Is he talented? Of course. But, you know what, with Jamal, on a championship team, you know what Jamal is? He's your fourth or third option. That's what he is. At this point, that's what he is. Uh, when it comes to Nikola Jokic, talented as all get out. Um, you know, arguably a top 10 player. Maybe he's 10 right now. Talented as heck, as I just said. But you know what? Nikola can't be your number one. And we both said that. He can't be your number one. He doesn't have the mentality for it. And, you know, when it comes to situations like this, there's too many times where you look to him as, hey, man, we, we need you right now. And he just doesn't show up. And, and that happened today. You know what Nikola is? Nikola is your second or third option on a championship team. That's what Nikola Jokic is. And that, that kills me to say it because I love the guy, but 
that's just where we are at this point. Defensively, the Nuggets have tried everything in this series. Um, I've watched, uh, you know, each game, uh, respectively, you know, as much as I could. Uh, I didn't watch the last two fourth quarters because there was just no point. But the Nuggets have tried everything. Credit to Utah Jazz because they've made adjustments. What did the Nuggets do game one? They allowed uh, Donovan Mitchell go off. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to score 124 yourself. He scored 57. They didn't win. So what did the, the Nuggets do the next game? Well, they kind of overreacted and they said, you know what? We're going to try and stop Donovan a little bit and we're going to force everybody else to beat us. Well, <laughs> unlucky for the Nuggets and as is Nuggets fan life. I mean, if you're a Nuggets fan, the, the impossible just seems to happen all the time. The Utah Jazz shot lights out. The Nuggets actually played great defense for about a quarter and a half uh, to start the game, but the Utah Jazz shot 57% from the three-point line through three quarters. That, there's nothing you can do about that. They had a hot shooting night. The Nuggets gave up, packed it in in the third quarter. Whatever. Move on to game three. You get into today's game, uh, and it looked like a little bit more of, okay, we're going to try and pressure Donovan a little bit. We're going to get a little bit higher on the screen and rolls. And what happened today? Rudy Gobert goes off. So now you don't have everybody's late rotating over to Gobert. No one's there to stop him. And then the floodgates just completely burst open. Um, so, and when we look at this, defensively, it's it's personnel and it's effort. The Nuggets simply just don't have the personnel to do what they need to do against the Utah Jazz. They really miss Gary Harris. And for as much as we, you know, get on Gary about, you know, his lackluster offense, man... I'm not saying that, you know, he would come in and completely sway this series, but he would sure make it a little bit more tougher uh, on the Utah Jazz to score. And they, they miss Gary Harris. Torrey Craig, for as good a defender he is, you know what? There's times where he's just getting torched, and there's only so much he can do. And then offensively, wow, I mean, you, you don't get anything. I mean, essentially, the Utah Jazz don't have to guard him. And then Jeremy Grant... Uh, I mean, I'm there with you. He's got to be more aggressive on the boards. Um, but, I mean, he's out on the perimeter, and, you know, sometimes he's he's caught up there. But th there has to be more of a want to from this team. It feels like there's too many times, and I don't know if it's because they're young or if it's because they just don't have anybody. They don't have a dog on their team to kick them in the butts when they need it. But it just feels like there's too many times and in big games that the Denver Nuggets just feel like we can just roll the basketball out there and teams will bow down to us because we've earned something. They haven't earned anything, and they feel entitled. And maybe that's the, the youth in them, but you know what? There's got to be effort. There's got to be more effort, especially defensively. If you give effort defensively, this game's much closer. Uh, but the Nuggets just don't want to make it easy on themselves. I mean, and at the end of the day, too, when it comes to the offensive side of things, the Denver Nuggets just do not have shooters. Okay, that that's just it. And that's been an issue for not only a year, two years, three years. You can go all the way back to the 2009 Western Conference Finals when they didn't have anybody that could make a three-point shot consistently. They didn't have that in the 2013 playoffs when they lost to Golden State. The Nuggets, when they get into shooting battles with these other teams, twos are not going to do better than threes. Other teams, they're they're evolving with the league. They're finding shooters. You know what the Nuggets are doing? They're finding good talent, but they're finding talent that only can dominate in the twos. And they don't have enough pure shooters. And you know what? Until the Nuggets find that, they're going to continuously find themselves hitting their heads into the wall because they just don't have anybody that can make a three-point shot consistently enough. I mean, it's... It's disappointing as a Nuggets fan when you see the potential of this team and what they can do and, and all the areas that they're great in. Um, but this series has brought to light the deficiencies that continue to pop up. And they have serious issues. It doesn't mean they're talented. They do not suck. That's just completely false. And anybody that says that is just wrong. Um, and people that are calling them frauds, I challenge you, what was your expectations before the season? Because if you had championship expectations for this team, that's on you. Nobody told you to have that. If you listen to us, <laughs> we didn't have that. We didn't say, oh, the Denver Nuggets could win a championship this year. What did we say? Uh, second round. Uh, best case Western Conference Finals, but second round. You know why? Because, again, their best player is 25. Their second best player is 23. Their third best player just turned 21. They're in their second go-around in the playoffs as a team. They're not there yet. So for all these fans that like to not watch the games all season long 
and then they see, oh wow, the Nuggets are doing really good. And then come playoff times, now they now they want to lock in and watch. And then they see, oh wow, the Nuggets are losing to a six seed. But they what they fail to realize is that the Utah Jazz are only two games back of the Nuggets in the win column and one game back in the loss column. So they're not a traditional six seed there. Um, but they don't recognize that. And then they want to say, oh, the Nuggets suck. Well, that's not the case. The Nuggets are also playing another good basketball team. They're also a young team. And oh, by the way, they're missing two starters. That's not to say that the Jazz aren't missing anybody. They're missing Bogdanovich, but they're more healthy than the Denver Nuggets are right now. And there's just so much that goes into this. I just, it's frustrating. I get why people are angry. They don't want to trust in the Nuggets. Hell, I don't even want to trust in the Nuggets after this game. But we have to look at the overall picture and the overall context of this team. They're not. They don't suck, obviously. Um, but you know what? They're soft. Yes. And this might be the yes. softest Nuggets team I've ever watched, and that includes the thirty-win teams that we watched in twenty, what, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. That includes those teams, mm-hmm. because at least those teams had some a couple of tough players. They this team. They don't have I can't name a single one of these guys that I could see going out there and at least pushing someone. Just push someone. Right. Do something. Push back. Um throw a punch. <laughs> you know? No you know, the closest I guess is Tory Craig. And that I mean, that's not even close to no. what you need. No. This team is soft. They're they're weak. Jokic I'm. I mean, I'm sorry, but at least Embiid fights. I've. Yeah. I, I mean, at least he pushes yeah. back. At least he holds his own defensively. Yeah, you're a great passer, but guess what? No one's cutting, so you can't do that. Um, you you can shoot, but I mean, you're obviously not consistent. Joel Embiid is a better center. It's pretty obvious. At least Embiid, without his be- his second best player, you know, his teammate, his other star that he needs, at least he's going out there and putting up 20 and 10 and at least fighting, um, at least showing emotion. You know, I, I don't expect MPJ to be that guy because he's a rookie. Um, well, I expect Jokic I, I at too, least to push back. Jamal if... at least has pushed a little bit. At least Jamal, because look, Jamal put up 16 shots in this game. Yeah. I don't want to say at least he tried because it. I don't. I didn't watch, but at least, you know, at least in the in the last game, I tuned in in the, in the third quarter at one point, and Jamal at least was bringing up the ball, not passing it to anyone, and going up and just hitting a tough shot. At least trying to push the ball up and do something. At least Jamal was trying in moments. Was he doing it the whole game? No. But at least there was a couple moments that, that I saw that Jamal at least pushed a little bit. But Paul Millsap, Torrey Craig, Nikola Jokic, none of those guys, none of the other starters. And again, I'm not going to include MPJ. He's a rookie. He's still learning. I'm going to I'm gonna give him a pass. One, he only played 15 minutes. Um, he was three of six, one of two from three. To be honest, he was your best offensive player. Um, so I'm not gonna say anything about MPJ. I think he he has a lot of growing to do, and he's not there yet. But guys that should be at least pushing back a little bit more and being at least a leader, because there's no leaders on this team right now. None of those guys are doing that, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I've defended Paul Millsap throughout his three years here in Denver because he does make $30 million and he doesn't put up the numbers that someone that makes $30 million should. Mm-hmm. But he's been for this team at least for, you know, three regular season years and, and last year in the playoffs. He's been a leader and he's been the best defensive player on this team along with Gary. And... Not just here in these three games of the playoffs, but the whole time in the bubble, Paul Millsap has just been absolutely pathetic. And I think, you know, maybe the four months off, he just realized he wants to retire. I don't know. But he should retire. He needs to retire. He's done. 
uh, 17 minutes. There's been back-to-back games where he hasn't even hit 20 minutes. He's slow. He's old. He can't jump over a, a, a toothpick. And, you know, yeah, he was three for five today, two for two from three. But there's there's just no fight in him. And he's soft. He's weak. Mm-hmm. He, he can't do anything against this team. So I just, you know, and, and look, if, if Gary and Will were in, were playing, I think Will would be one of your 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 guys that would be this is one thing that you know i've given will barton a lot of crap over the years but the one thing that at least he does at least he fights at least he shows some effort he has a good Uh, feel for when things are going wrong when the team needs something he tries to give them it now he may not be talented enough to swing a game by himself but he tries and and i'm I'm there with you and and at least you know for for will there's never been a moment I've watched a lot of games. I used to work for Altitude Radio. I, I've watched a lot of games. And I've watched almost every single one of Bill Barton's game uh, games here in Denver. I can't remember a time where I said, wow, Will just doesn't try out there. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, I, he's always tried. He's always pushed back. He's always fought. Sometimes a little too much. And, and those are the times where it, it drives me absolutely nuts. But I'd rather have those moments than watching these nine, ten guys go out there and just pick their nose the whole time and do nothing. Yeah. Um, and they get pushed down, and no one does anything. No one fights. No one pushes back. At least get in a fight. Like, for if you're not gonna play play hard, at least get in a fight and get suspended. Do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like. I, there, there's just none of that. You know, at least with the Clippers, when they were losing to Dallas both times, they had guys at least just push back. Same with the Lakers. Same with the Blazers. Same with with Utah. Just just someone push somebody. You know, just do something. Um, and there's none of that. And part of me kind of just thinks that maybe it's just time for time for a new voice maybe it's just the message isn't getting across it's pretty obvious and it hasn't been getting across all season long Malone has called these guys out and it used to work especially with Jamal it used to work but it doesn't work anymore and I think they've run their course with Malone and it's I hate to say that because I do think that when Malone does find a new team that he will be one of the best head coaches in the league and they will be a playoff team. Um, but unfortunately, I just I, I just think it's run its course. You know, there's there's always been great coaches that have coached the team and the, the message gets stale. The voice just isn't heard anymore. And especially with young teams, Sometimes you do need a, a kick in the butt, and it, it's not just from your players, yeah. but it's and not just from your coaches. It's from the front office, and if and it might be time for the front office to do something to where it opens these guys' eyes, because you know I I just there's there's nothing nothing else is working. Malone can't do anything, and I hate to say this because, like I said, I love Malone. Malone deserves this job, but I just think maybe he just deserves a, a job somewhere else uh, because these guys aren't listening to him anymore. Well, before we get there, and, and I disagree, but I, I hear what you're saying, but before we get just kind of back to this team, when I look at this roster, and I'm going up and down these names right now, and you know what the Nuggets have? They just have a lot of just good guys, talented, but good people. You know, I mean, it's just, they're good guys. And MPJ, I can already tell you right now, MPJ's not a dog. He doesn't have that attitude. I, so don't expect that from him. He's he's a he's a silent, talented guy. Um, yeah, he may get pumped up every now and then from a, from a dunk. But you know what? He's not Russell Westbrook. He's not going to jab at you. He's not Damian Lillard that after he hits a three, he's on the defensive end dancing to a song that's famous in his hometown. Uh, he, he's not a dog. This team... They don't have dogs. And you know what's funny? 
is when you look back to that 2009 Western Conference Finals team, if if you look at that team, they had dogs. All right, Melo, he, he, he wasn't going to let you push him around. Kenyon Martin, Marcus Camby, uh, Nene. Like, these guys, they were not going to let you push them around. But you know what? They didn't have enough talent. This Nuggets team, they have talent. But you know what? If you push them a little bit, if you get a little physical, they don't fight back. And that's I'm, I'm sure that's in the scouting report of all these teams that come up to the Nuggets. Hey, you push them around a little bit. You push them around a little bit. They're they're, they're not gonna fight back. You might you might rattle them. You might uh you might have Jokic kind of you know be passive Jokic, and and that's an issue. Now as far as as you know Michael Malone, I don't know if that's his fault. Um, as far as it, and I, I get what you're saying. No, it's not his fault. But I think it's when not, you look at his on him, when you look at his at this team though, and how they've continuously improved with him at the helm, I'm not pointing this at Michael Malone. Um, look, I'm, I'm not pointing either. this at I'm the not players. Either. Well, I'm not either. But sometimes, <sighs> I get I get what you're saying. Sometimes the the message gets old. Um, but I think. What this tells me what the Nuggets are doing and how they've improved. It tells me the message is right, but the players are wrong. There, there, there's, there's not a good fit here. We saw when Brian Shaw was here, the message was wrong. <laughs> well, the players were wrong, but the message was completely wrong. You have the guy who can lead you to it. You just need to find the right guys to accept that message and take it to the next level. You don't have a Jimmy Butler. You don't have a Montrez Harrell. You don't have a Draymond Green. You don't have a Patrick Beverly. You don't have a Russell Westbrook. You don't have any of the Morris twins. You don't have these guys that are going to stand there and say, you know what, we're down 40, but you're not, Donovan Mitchell, you're not driving into the lane and getting an easy layup to go up 42. I'm going to stick an elbow in your chest and you're going to the ground because somebody has to wake us up. And, and Michael Malone can only do so much. Now, he is getting out coached, but I think a lot of that, too, is his players are not reciprocating the effort. And it starts at the top with Nikola Jokic, number one. It starts with Jamal, Turi, Jamal, Turi, Jamal Murray, number two, for not being consistent enough. It, it's those two guys that have to figure out a way to oh, for, for Jokic. And I just saw this uh, scroll down on my, my tweet deck from Ryan Blackburn, I believe it was. And he said there's two questions facing the Nuggets' best stars, but they're different questions. For Nikola Jokic, when can he be a leader you can count on? That's that's his question. Number two, for, for Jamal Murray, it's not when is he going to be a leader. It's when are you going to continuously show up when your team needs you to show up? Because he didn't do that in game two. Today, he had the first five points for the Nuggets. And I was like, okay, wow, Jamal looks like he's ready to bounce back. You know what he finished with today? 12. He went another three quarters and only scored seven more points. He needs to be better. Jokic has to be better. I'm not going to blame that on Malone. And I get what you're saying. Sometimes the message can grow stale. But I don't think that's the case here. I think it's a player issue. And I seriously think that the Denver Nuggets have to figure out and, and find a way to reshape this team in the offseason. If that's, you know what, okay, we know what, we, we want to build around Jokic and Murray, but if we can find a bigger star that's that's can that wants to come here, um, <laughs> then, then that's what we need to do because Jokic can't be the alpha. But if we're going forward with Jokic and Murray, we need to build this team around them with shooters and guys who, not, who aren't going to get pushed around. You know who would be great on this Nuggets team? Jay Crowder. That's a guy you need. Someone who's going to play defense, stick an elbow in somebody's chest, and knock down a three. Jimmy Butler. Obviously, he's not coming here, but that type of mint. You need that type of player. Montrez Harrell, I think he's going to be a free agent. You might have to overpay, but you know what? If I got to give up Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley and bring in a, a Montrez Harrell who can do similar things to what those guys can do, bring but also bring energy and, and a fighting attitude... I'm going to do that because this team is just, they're talented, but like you said, they're soft and Michael Malone's not a soft guy. I think his message is fine. I just think the players are not receiving it well. And I think it goes back to, again, the core of this team, your best players are so young. And I think that's an issue too, as well. And, and as much as Paul Millsap is respected in this league, he, I, I just, I just don't feel like he's like, kicking them in the butt 
and I don't know if he can because even if he was trying to, he's putting up eight points, six points a night. So are the Nuggets going to really listen to this guy? Like, hold on, you're you're telling us we need to pick our play up, but you're over here in 17 minutes putting up eight points and looking slower than molasses out here? How are we supposed to listen to you? There's so many issues right now with the Denver Nuggets, and it's not all going to get solved in one offseason, I don't think. No, no, it's not going to get solved in, in one offseason. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I, I I really thought about, you know, before the bubble, um, I really thought that bringing Paul on a, on a, you know, half, you know, like three year, uh, 10 to 15 million year deal to bring him back was important because I thought he was a leader and a defensive guy that they needed. Uh, and it's just disappointing. It's disappointing to see what's happened to him because he was that guy last year. He was great in the playoffs last year. Go yeah. back and watch. Yeah. He was, he was incredible. He was their leader. Um, he was he was tough. Um, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I think it's really been been understated with how important Gary and Will are to this team because yeah. Gary, as much crap as he's gotten offensively, he's their best defensive player. And I and I've been saying this ever since we got back to playing. Um, they need him. They absolutely need him. Torrey can't stick with the smaller guards. He just can't. Uh, he's a guy that you would want to guard Paul George, um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, a LeBron. But he can't guard the Damian Lillards, the um, CJ McCollum, um, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell, he can't guard those guys because they're faster than him. They just blow right by him. They they need they need Gary. Uh, and then Will look as much crap as Will has gotten. He he doesn't just give you points. He he is out there moving on defense. Uh, there's been a lot of moments earlier in the regular season where he was important defensively. So they need those two guys. And, you know, against this team with, with Utah, you got guys like Conley and Mitchell um, and, and Niang. And you need Clarkson. You need Gary and Barton to guard, to guard those guys. That's just the reality of it. And, and because you don't have them, their defense is really suffering. And then talk about shooting. Gary was shooting at a high clip from three right before the season got postponed. You need that. You need that guy that you can kick out to the corner and hit a three. Torrey Craig is, I mean, he's been fine, but it's not it's not great. At least Gary was, at least he was shooting at a high clip. Uh, and at least with Gary, he can run a two-man game with Jokic. He can handle the ball. He can make plays four other guys craig can't do that all craig is is standing in the corner if you can hit three threes a game great that's what he is that's a guy that comes off the bench you know what i've noticed too um and i don't know if you need Barton's shooting by the way right um but i don't know if you noticed this the the nuggets last year it seems like their their only play last year in the playoffs was the dribble handoff screen and roll Jokic is handing it off to somebody they're screening and rolling and they're just running that to death I am not seeing a lot of that at all if it's not they with can't. Jamal Murray it's just not happening well that's why they, they can't because they right. don't have Will and they don't have Gary right. Porter can't really do it um, he's not skilled enough he, he doesn't have the handle to really do it yet at least uh, and he's a rookie he hasn't had a lot of time to learn it um, or to at least get time with Jokic to do it uh, and Craig can't handle the ball. He can't do it at all either because he's not he's not a, a factor offensively to create for other guys, and he can't create his own shot. Yeah, he doesn't so scare anybody. That's the biggest the, the biggest problem. And again, no one has talked about it. Why? Because the Nuggets have actually been playing well. But they need Gary and Will, not just for Gary's defense, but 
Gary, like I said, he can handle the ball. He can run the two-man game. He can, you know, they, they can, and will, he, they can play that two-man game with Jokic. They can play with Plumlee. They can do it, you know, with, with Jamal. They can, they need those guys because really those two guys are your best two-way guys. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have that, and you need that in this league, especially in the playoffs. And so that's why I've been concerned with, well, why aren't they speeding up their progression to get back on the court? Why are they being so relaxed about this? And so I just, I wish we would know if it was more of a serious thing instead of, oh, it's day to day. No, it's obviously not day to day. It's obviously a lot more serious than, than you've said it is. But that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, well, so, Will Barton has left the bubble, so it's unlikely he's going to even return. And and yeah. <laughs> by the looks of this this series, it, this might be be done by Tuesday, so you won't even need him for a second round. Uh, right. Gary, but, uh, I saw that he's he's on track to possibly play sooner rather than later. Yeah. But then again, I mean, at this point, listen, if the Nuggets lose on Sunday, I mean, obviously there would be no point to play Gary, but. At this right. point, if if I'm the Nuggets training staff and if I'm Coach Malone, I, I'm just telling Gary, you know what, just worry about getting healthy. Because um, at this point, I mean, what what what's what do you get from that? What do you get from bringing Gary back sooner? If um, you can win, well, here's the thing though: if you get Gary back in Game Three or Game Sorry Game Four, and you can tie the series, you got the momentum. But is so Gary gonna like, be able to help you tie? I just don't think he would. He hasn't played. A basketball game, but, but in here's months. the thing: it's an, it's another guy, and it's a guy that could possibly give you a boost, just mentally, because right now the Nuggets are losing these games mentally. It's not even with their talent. Because look at the last two games with their three point shooting. They, uh, I heard on the broadcast, they're shooting over at least in games one, two, and three, they were shooting over fifty percent from three, or games one and two. Sorry, not three. Games one and two. They were shooting over 50% from three. I keep on thinking they're down 3-1. They're the not. Nuggets? Yeah. So they, uh, in the, yeah, they in shot game, like 40-something percent from three in game two. Right, but oh, the average. The right. average between game one and game two, they were shooting over 50%. And yet, you barely win game one, and you got blown out in game two. So it's not really just the, the shooting. It's it, That's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is, one, there's no flow offensively. Well, the biggest issue is there's no fight. But... Down to basketball, there's no flow offensively because you don't have guys like Gary or Will that can that can help the flow of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Two, your defense. You're you're trying to. I don't, what are you? What what do you want to do? Because you're you're trying so many different things. Honestly, just stick to what you did in game one. I don't understand why you win game one and then you completely change your defense. In game two, and then in game three, you're going back and forth between three, four different. St- just stick to something, stick to yeah. something, and if, at halftime, if it's not working, go do something else and stick with it. Don't just call a timeout. Oh yeah, let's do this. Go call another timeout. That's not working. Let's try this. Stick to something. Um, and you know, for the Nuggets, it, and I, I heard this from I believe it was Hastings that said this in in one of the uh, scrimmage games. When the Nuggets' offense isn't working and there's no flow and they're not hitting shots, their defense suffers. Mm -hmm. But when they're getting it going offensively, their defense steps up and it's it works. But they're you know how it's like the defense creates your offense. Well, that's the opposite for the Nuggets. Their offense creates their defense. So if there's no flow offensively and like you can shoot over fifty percent from three, but if you don't have any flow offensively, you're gonna struggle. That's just the reality of it. Because, you know, even though guys are are hitting threes at a high clip, there's there's it, the offense is stagnant. There's no there's no flow to the game for them. It's just yeah. drive and kick out. Hope you hit the three. That's their offense right now. There is no cutting. You know, one thing with MBJ that I, I saw and I mentioned after game one, um, it was actually mentioned by Malone after game two. When he cuts, if he doesn't get the ball, he needs to keep on going and finish the cut hard. But what what has he been doing? 
He cuts, doesn't get the ball, stops in the paint. No flow. He needs to get out and rotate. But there's none of that. And he clogs the lane. And no one else can cut. So that's the issue. Mm -hmm. It's not just they need more shooters. They can have all the shooters in the world. Their offense is not allowing them to have any flow offensively to where you can drive, cut, swing, 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 cut, whatever. Do what they were doing before. Even in the bubble, they were doing that. The second the playoffs hit and the intensity hits, there's no cutting, there's no finishing cuts, and there's just no movement. There's no off-ball movement for them. Mm-hmm. And that's just... It's, it's never going to work for them. And now you're seeing the 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 holes in the team because they're missing two starters. And they were able to hide that a little bit because MPJ was, you know, they weren't playing teams that were as intense, right? So MPJ was able to do what, what, what he was able to do. Um, and you forget, like, Jamal didn't play for, what, the first three, four games? They were fine. Why? Because MPJ and, and Jokic were playing great. Why? Because intensity against you know the opposing defense wasn't up. The second that goes up in the playoffs, MPJ shrunk. Why? He's a rookie. Uh, I expected that. I didn't expect it from Jokic. I didn't expect it from Millsap. The only one really, like I said, that has at least shown in short moments is Jamal. This, this is the only guy that at least has gone there, gone out there, taken the damn ball, give me the damn ball, and he. I remember there was back-to-back plays in game two, in the in the third quarter. He got the ball from Jokic. He ran up the court, drove, pulled up from maybe like the elbow, and hit a jumper. And it was back-to-back. And there was at least some fight, but there's no one else that's going with him. No one else is doing anything. And that's. I mean, it's just. At, at that point, there's nothing you can really do. Yeah. No, I agree. And you know what? For Jokic, I mean, there was too many times today where he got the ball in the post and he faced Gobert and he just looked at him for a good four seconds. I can't tell you how many catches he had where he did that. He gets the ball, turns and looks at him for about four or five seconds. Now we're at nine seconds left in the shot clock. Now he puts the ball on the ground, and the double's coming, and now you're giving up the ball with six seconds left to Torrey Craig. What is that going to do for you? He has to be quicker with his decisions. He's got to be, one, aggressive, so force the double early. That way your guys can have a chance to shoot an open three without feeling the pressure of uh, the clock running down. Or, I mean, you got to score. I mean, it's I know it's easier said than done, but I mean... There's so many things right now going on with this team that it's just the only the only I guess piece of optimism we can leave people with today if we're going to be optimistic. The Denver Nuggets were down 2-1 last year in the playoffs to the San Antonio Spurs. They lost game 1 here at home, won game 2, lost game 3 in San Antonio. Nuggets are down 2-1. It's not like they haven't faced adversity before. They right. lost, uh, you know, they won game one versus Portland. We're down 2-1 last year after losing a tough, you know, quadruple overtime game in, in Portland. What did they do? They come back to win the next two. The Nuggets are no strangers to adversity. For some reason, they like to dupe this. I don't know why, but they just like to just make things interesting. And it gets them caught a lot. Um, but, you know, sometimes they respond. The only thing I, I think, can hope I is that more history says than- respond. <laughs> Yeah, I think more times than not they respond and they do do well against adversity. Um, you no. know, when they had seven guys Devil's advocate you know, to that though Milwaukee. is that they had a full roster doing that. They don't have they that had this a time. they had a full roster and also all three of those games against San Antonio were relatively close. Uh all three of those games in Portland were all close. I think except for game one against Portland might have been Game one they won by eight, game two they lost by seven. Okay, I mean they, but they were at least in the game. They weren't getting blown out, um, and they weren't being called out for effort. Um, so that's you know obviously there's a big difference there. But here, here's the thing: if you do get Gary back, even if it's on minute restriction for 15, 20 minutes a game, if that can give you a spark and give you some momentum, 
then and you win game four, they're back in the series. All you have to do is win game four, and you're and they can they can do it. We saw in game one, they can beat this team. You know, we saw it in the in the the seeding games. They went to double overtime and and they won. This team can beat Utah. They've done it twice. So, you know, realistically, they're two and two if you count the the game the regular season game. I mean, they beat them three times in the regular season game or in the regular season. So, well, at least in the bubble. So since they've been in the bubble, they've beat them twice. So they can they can do it. It's just you got to go out there and fight. You got to go out there and push back. And if they do that, they have a chance to win. And if they do win, you got all the momentum. You got you go into game five, and you have a chance to win. Yeah. So if they can, if they can go out there and punch back, and hope maybe even literally punch back. I don't care. Tory Craig punch someone, get suspended. I don't care. <laughs> just at tip off, it, and he just goes and punches Donovan. Yeah. I, I, at least as long as it's not Jokic, Jamal, or MPJ. Shoot, Millsap. You know what? If you want to be productive, go out there, punch someone in the face, get suspended. And get this team going. Brandon's out here I advocating for assault on people in the NBA. <laughs> well, hey, it gets Millsap off the floor, so I'm happy. Oh um, but, that, you know, that's do something and yeah. fight back. If you can win game four, you have a chance. Yeah. Obviously, if you don't fight back, you're going to lose game four. And, you know, there, there needs to be a lot of changes. And unfortunately for Malone, he is going to be on the hot seat. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, he's going to be on the hot seat if they lose and we're talking on, you know, Tuesday night um, about them, you know, losing in five and them leaving. You I know, think it depends bubble. on what it's these next be on the two hockey. games, it, what, what these next two games look like, I think depends a lot on that. I mean, I, I think if they get blown out the next two times, then OK, maybe, maybe I, I just still can't see them firing him. But I think maybe he gets another year, and it's really... And we also have to remember, too, I mean, not only are they not at full strength, I mean, this is just a weird scenario, okay? I yeah, mean, but look, just, hold on. I don't want to hear that damn excuse. I'm but so, it is. But it is. Though. Yeah, but I'm so sick of that excuse. I Every team is going... Utah's going through it. Conley literally left the damn bubble. Went, had his, Yeah, but he wasn't know, injured, though. It doesn't matter. I mean, Everyone's these guys came through. in with guys who ha- either had the illness or got hurt somehow before it coming back to everyone, the bubble. Everyone's going through this. Everyone went through it. Did the Nuggets get guys a little bit later? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, my the guys that came in late were Michael Porter, Torrey Craig. Jokic has been here the whole time. Jamal's been here the whole time. Paul Millsap has been here the whole time. Grant's been here the whole time. Plumlee. Why aren't they fighting? No, I get are that. We, I'm are just we saying. Excuse for a guy I for think, them too. I think for Malone, you have to take that into account, and I don't think you can just fire him off of this season performance because he just got this team back to the no. playoffs for the first time in years. Sure, and they've been improving every year. So now in the second year, when the team has a bad outing in a weird year and he doesn't have his full roster, now we're gonna fire the guy. I just don't understand that. I think maybe like I said earlier, it's not because of him. <laughs> It's because there might need to be a new message. I always go back to what Golden State did, and there were other reasons for Mark Jackson getting fired. But part of it was Golden State, after making it to the second round and losing in a six or seven in San Antonio in the second round, their first playoff run, they went back in the second round and got destroyed by San Antonio year two. And it the the Mark Jackson's voice. The effort wasn't there from Golden State. There was other reasons, obviously, too, that he got fired. But they they didn't respond. They didn't take that next step. And some, a lot of times, not sometimes, a lot of times, when you bring in a good coach that does a great job of developing young talent, it takes another coach to get them to that next level. I'm not saying that, you know, Steve Kerr is the greatest coach of all time, but what he did, the message was new. The players responded to their coach who they loved getting fired and they responded. And uh, there was a new message. There was a new way to do things and it worked. And it's not just Golden State that has happened with. 
Uh, we, the Last Dance. We watched The Last Dance, and one of the big things was they they had fired uh, Doug Collins, right? It was Doug Collins. Yes. The guys loved him, and they had made the playoffs. They had made it past the you know into the second round. Um, I believe they had just lost to Detroit, maybe the first time. I don't know, whatever. And they fired Doug Collins after making the playoffs for a few years in a row, after improving, after him developing and helping Jordan get to uh, to what the level that he was at. But guess what? They needed someone to get him to the next level. They brought in Phil Jackson. Uh, Phil Jackson was an assistant coach, but they they you know they promoted Phil Jackson. And he got them there. They also added, you know, well, Scotty got a year older and, and, you know, all that happened too. But there was a new message in that locker room. And there was someone that could push the right buttons to get Jordan to do different things. Well, same with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Kerr came in and they, he did things differently and the message got across and it worked. Sometimes when you're around a young with these young guys and you really grow with them and you kind of basically you grow up with them, you just need a you just need someone else to come in and take over. And that's not saying that Malone's a bad coach. He's not. He's a fantastic coach. But unfortunately, I think when you have four or five years, I believe this is year five with this same group, and they were all, you know, 19, 20 years old, 18, 19, 20 years old, when they you know, when Malone had taken over and they got drafted by this team, when you, you know, when it just think about, shoot, just think about what, you know, when you're a kid with your parents after, you know, however many years, you don't need to, you feel like you don't need to listen to them anymore, right? It's, you're not really, sometimes you're not scared of them or you're just not, you don't care. And, you get off on your own. You you go on your own and in college and you find another mentor that helps you, right? Maybe it's an uncle or a teacher or whatever. And the message gets across. Maybe the same message that your parents have been trying to get across for the last 18 years, right? It's the same thing with professional sports. It just, when you, these kids, they, they, they came into this team as, as kids. Jokic, Gary, Jamal. And initially, with Jamal, it worked. But it's not working anymore. It's not working with this team anymore. I and just... that's that's what I'm saying is it's not on Malone. He's a great coach. But in order to really kick these guys in the ass, it might take firing a head coach, sending a message, and seeing if they wake up. I just think it would be too soon. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, and I, I hear everything you're saying. And I'm not saying that he needs to stay here forever. But, I mean, each year you've had the guy. His first year he goes, you know, first year, second year, seven wins improvement. Six-game imp- six improvement the next year. Eight-game improvement. You make it back to the playoffs since 2012-13. This year you make it to the playoffs again. I totally get what you're saying. But I think to, to put him on the hot seat after a season that was postponed, he doesn't have his full team. It's a weird season, and I get everybody else is going through too. But it's a weird season. I don't think that's fair to him. He did just sign an extension that will take him through 22-23. That doesn't mean anything. We've seen teams fire guys under contract before. I think next year is a big year. I, I don't. If people want to put him on the hot seat the entire year next year, okay, fine. I wouldn't do it, but I think next year will be very telling. If Michael Malone can't get this team at least, at least to the you know i mean at that point with all this talent they at the bare minimum they have to make it to the second round and and should be vying hard for a western conference finals mm-hmm. finals berth I, I think that should be the expectation you either get to the conference finals or you lose in a tough six seven game series has to be the then after that if you're thinking you know what okay we're good but we're not great we're not there yet if that's when you feel like okay, we need to find our Steve Kerr and go away from our quote unquote Phil Jack or uh, Mark Jackson, fine, I'm all with it. But to say you know what he's on the hot seat or he needs to be fired now, like I'm seeing a lot of people say on Twitter, that's just nonsense. I mean, you wouldn't be here without Michael Malone. And be careful because the last time you fired a good coach, 
and you thought you were going in a, a good direction, you brought in a bad voice with a bad message, and the team was the worst it's been in years. I'm just saying, you seem to have the right message, but maybe it's always not about the message. Maybe it's about the players receiving that message. Maybe you just need to find the right guys to, to bring in to understand that message and maximize what he's saying and apply it to the court. Now, that's where it goes to the front office. That's where Tim Connolly comes into play. And that's where he has to make that determination. Is it the players that we're lacking in or is the message getting stale? That's that's why he gets paid the big bucks. So You know, Charles Barkley um, uh, on on TNT, he, he said something really interesting that I'm trying to figure out with Malone right now, but he said as a – I don't exactly remember exactly what he said, but – he says something along the lines of, if you're not a good offensive coach, then you shouldn't be a head coach. If you're a good defensive coach, then focus on the defense as an assistant coach. But you need to be a good offensive coach in order to be a good head coach. And I'm wondering with Malone, because we've seen so many weird things happen with them offensively, whether it's last second shots, uh, after timeout plays, uh, flow, um, just weird things with the offense that I wonder if maybe that can be applied to Malone. And that's something too that, look, I'm not saying to fire him right after the bubble because that is, like, like you said, it's unfair because of the situation. So I don't think... He should be get fired. He should get fired right this second. You know, right after they lose the series. Because at this point, I'm chalking it up as a loss. If they win Game Four, maybe things can change. But um, you know, once they lose this series, I don't think he should be fired unless it gets unless something happens where it gets really bad. Um, but he at least should be. What I'm saying is, at least it should be considered going into next year. Going, you know, halfway through the season, if something's going on and they're just, you know, they're five, they're barely a playoff team and they're, you know, injuries aren't affecting them, then it should be mentioned there. And if they make it to the playoffs, say as a top three, four seed, and they get blown out in the first round like this, or they get blown out in the second round, then it really needs to be talked about and probably should be done. But, you know, obviously, yeah, it would be a little unfair to him to do it right now. Mm -hmm. But I just, when I heard Barkley say that, he was talking about a different coach. I don't remember who he was talking about. He wasn't talking about Malone. It was uh, yesterday, it was one of the games yesterday. But uh, I think that... Was you know, it with it, Alvin it Gentry? Really... Because Alvin Gentry just got fired. Yeah, it might have. But Alvin Gentry been... is an offensive-minded coach. No, no, and... no. It, it might have been... <laughs> It might have been uh, Vaughn for the Nets. Did they play yesterday? Um, yes, I believe they did. I or think no, they he was today. saying that. They played today. Uh, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I don't remember who it was that he was talking about. Um, it could have been someone who – I thought it was a coach, though, that was coaching right now. Um, but I don't, I don't remember. Or you know what? Maybe it was – who's the Blazers head coach right now? Terry Stotts. It might have been about him. I don't. Again, I, I can't remember. You would have to go back and watch TNT. It was uh, the post game show, but um, or maybe it was halftime of that Portland game. All I know is that that was the only time I was watching them. So it was either the halftime for Portland uh, Lakers yesterday, or it was uh, the post game show. Um, but it was something along the lines of if you're a great defensive coach, but you can't coach offense, you should not be a head coach. Be an assistant coach and be a great defensive assistant coach. But uh, if you want to be a head, if you're in order to be a good head coach, you need to be a good offensive head coach. And I can't say that Malone is a good offensive coach. I can't. I can say that he's maybe average, but he's a good defensive coach and he's a good player coach. He connects with players. He's a he has that part of it. That's an A. His defense is probably like a B plus A minus, right? His offense, I mean, I C C plus maybe a B minus. 
So that's where I think I'm a little bit more concerned with, you know, with Malone. And after Barkley saying that, I I actually really do agree. I mean, you look around the league, how many of the great head coaches were great are are great defensive head coaches and not very good offensive head coaches. They're either good at both or they're a really good offensive coach and they're just a, a good, you know, they have the intangibles of being a good head coach. Um, so I don't know. I, I, you know, that's something to look into. It's, it's going to be an interesting off season. <laughs> um, and next year, you know, it's going to be a very interesting year. It's going to be a very telling year, and I think a lot. By of- the way, the Philadelphia 76ers are down by one to the Boston Celtics without Ben Simmons, and Embiid has twenty six points, thirteen rebounds, a block, a steal. Uh, he has four personal fouls, so I'm sure he's beating the hell out of some guys and at least fighting. Um, and now they have a one point lead with four minutes to go in the fourth. This is a team without Ben Simmons, and you got Embiid fighting like hell to try and win a game. Uh-huh. Will Jokic do that for you? We've seen it, but he just doesn't do it enough. But don't forget, too, there, there's also these similar questions with Joel Embiid in Philly. Hey, but guess so, what? He's doing it in the he's playoffs. He's doing it, and you got to give him credit for that. But you know what? Last year, Jokic did it, too. So... Well, where is he now? Exactly. He's <laughs> he went, down 2 He went backwards. Yeah, he he's went down backwards. At least Embiid went forwards. Uh, kind of. I mean, his team's down 2-0, but I don't know how much hey, that would change if they had Ben one, Simmons. They're up by one, and he's playing fantastic. Right. No, I, I, I get that. I'm just – I think maybe this lends to a bigger discussion in which we've talked about. Maybe your center just shouldn't be your best player. Yeah. Oh, I've been saying that for the last – ever since I started watching the game. <laughs> we should just kind of go away from that and – Huh, shocker, let's maybe find a guy who handles the ball and has it in his hand more that is your best player. I don't know. Shocker. Uh, But you know what? That's going to do it for us today. Real quick before we sign off, game four, it's on Sunday. I believe it's at 7 p.m. Any predictions of how that's going to go down? (laughs) Oh, this series is over. I'm already looking at free agents. I'm looking at possible trades that they could make. Um, No, they're done. If you're not going to fight, they're not going to win the series. You know, it was different last year when they were down 2-1 to San Antonio. It was different last year when they were down 2-1 to Portland. They at least, in those two losses, they weren't, especially with the Portland series, I mean, you went to four overtimes. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you had MPJ in that series, I think you'd probably win that series because they were fighting. There was effort. There was leadership. And... In back-to-back games, when you get blown out, there's no leadership, there's no effort, there's no fight. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I would love for Paul Millsap to punch someone in the face, preferably Mike Conley. I just don't like Conley, so that that would why probably be the, the best. Why don't you like Mike Conley? He's like, <laughs> he's like one of the most mellow guys. I mean, right now, I don't listen, know. I'm not the biggest me. Mike Conley oh, you know what? No, fan, no, 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 but... no. Please, punch Joe Ingles in the face. One, he's ugly. Probably needs, you know, a, a fix there, but... And and just I don't like the guy. He was 0 for two today. He sucks. So just punch him. In the, I don't care. Punch someone in the face. Punch Gobert in the face. I don't know. Well, Paul Millsap, Torrey Craig, one of you, do something. Ah, uh, Plumley, you only played 13 minutes. I think we found out today that Brandon might need some anger management courses in his life. Um, I just want to see them fight. <laughs> I don't care if it's a punch. I don't care if it's a kick to where you don't want to be kicked. I don't care where it's. I don't care what it is. Just do something. All right, that's that's fair. Um, you know what? I don't know why, but I have a strange feeling that the Nuggets were gonna go out and win on game on on Sunday. I don't know why honest, I feel this I hope way. Not. I, at this point, I want them to lose. Here's the thing, <laughs> just, though. And, and I'm so mad at them. I, no, me too. Me too. Um, but here's the thing. Just leave. Leave the bubble. Don't even show up on Tuesday. Another positive that they have going for them is they're not playing in Utah. They don't have to worry about the pressure of yeah, their home Yeah, you fans. still lost by combined 50,000 points. I, I get that. But you know what? It's just basketball now. So you're only down 2-1. For them, you can't listen to the outside noise. You got to find a way to make it work. Whatever you have to do to win, you got to figure it out. 
I don't know if I'm going to pick the Nuggets to win that game. I think it's more likely than not that they lose that game. But you know what? There's something in me that's like, you know what? This would be the game that the Nuggets go out and win. So hopefully that's the case. I'll and... pull Charles Barkley here. I guarantee they lose by at least 20. All right. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully on on Tuesday morning when we're, we're talking again. Hopefully uh, we, we are saying that you are wrong and hopefully you uh, you guarantee more losses moving forward for the Democrats. <laughs> but that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully you guys were able to uh, level with us as we vented and expressed our frustrations. Um, it sucks, man. <laughs> it sucks being a Nuggets fan sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but that's just the way it goes. For Brandon Stoll on the other side, let's get I to have... some Broncos football. I can't believe I'm saying that, but let's can we get to some oh, Broncos? Oh, you know what too? And uh, for 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 all the the casual guys and the casual Nuggets fans that are saying this team suck, make sure you please keep that same energy when you're evaluating the Denver Broncos, okay? And how young <laughs> they are. Oh, oh, so the so the Nuggets have to have finals or bust on them, even though they're only going into their second playoff run with their core. Their oldest star is 25. Okay, so you know what? How about this? Let's keep that logic that logic with the Broncos. Drew Locke, 23, 24 years old. You got to lead your team to a Super Bowl. Oh, you're 9 and 7 and you got them to the playoffs in the wild card game? You know what? You lost. You suck. You guys you suck. suck. That's just it. You just sucked. That's what it is. You see how stupid that sounds, people? You see how dumb that sounds? You know what that makes you sound like? A person who doesn't know what they're watching. A person who only jumped on when the going got hot. And then when you place unfair expectations because you didn't take the time to actually watch the team and realize, oh, they're good, but they have some limitations, and here should be their expectations. Yes, of course the goal is to win a championship every year, but you know what? The Cleveland Browns aren't saying, you know what? Our expectations is to win a championship. That's our goal, but you know what? We're probably going to go 7-9 and nine and get bounced again and be picking They've top 10 trying just to win five games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how about we start with some expectations there, Okay. Golly, man. Denver sports fans killing me. That's going to do it for us today. Brandon Stoll on the other side. I am Stephen Priest. This has been the Behind the Glass as we are crying sports podcast. Sports podcast.